Hello, and welcome to session two of the Abraham Lincoln Employment Series. I'm your host, Peter Martin, president of Gosselin Martin Associates. Today's session is entitled Abe Lincoln, not qualified to run a hospital facility department. So if you bear with me for one second, I will share my screen with you, bring up a presentation. Last week's, um, this is, as I said, the second session. Last week's session was a look at Abraham Lincoln's resume that we created for him. So this week we look at Abe Lincoln and running a hospital facility department. Before we get started, why Abraham Lincoln? Well, I'm a big, uh, big fan of American history, of all history, really. You're always learning something and there's always something to be learned, uh, no matter how much you've read. It's continuous learning. And aren't we all after continuous learning? And one day, Jack and I were just sitting around the office, you know, and we were talking about the jobs that we were recruiting for. And Jack just said, what would happen if Abe Lincoln sent us his resume? And that got me thinking. It was, uh, I was like, ah, that's really interesting. And so from that little question, I thought, well, wouldn't it be fun to create a resume for Abraham Lincoln? And so we did that. And that was last week's session. And then because we work in the discipline of healthcare facilities management, that's what Gosselin Martin Associates does, recruiting, education, career development, started to think of Lincoln and his education and Lincoln's education in light of the demands of the healthcare facility market of today. Namely, you need a degree in most locations to be considered for management roles. So that was kind of the genesis of this series. Now, I will tell you, we need to suspend uh, belief a little bit in our world, in the Abraham Lincoln Employment Series. Lincoln creates his resume on April 10th, 1865. April 10th is the day after um, the Army of Northern Virginia surrenders to Ulysses S. Grant at Appomattox Courthouse. So in our series, the resume that Lincoln created, and you can find that on our website, uh, he creates it on April 10th. And we never reached the tragic uh, assassination of April 14th and April 15th, uh, 1865. So we have stopped history on April 10th, 1865. And thus Lincoln, who is our 16th president, uh, elected in 1860, reelected in 1864. Thus Lincoln is never assassinated. And if only history or life was so easy. So that's kind of the genesis of the series and, and where we are. So the Lincoln that we're looking at is not the historical Lincoln of today. It's the Lincoln of 1865, April 10th to be specific. So this is a four-part series. As I said, uh, you can find the Lincoln resume we created on our website uh, in our blog section under a, a, a new post uh, talking about dissecting his resume. Now we're gonna look at Lincoln. Is he qualified to run a hospital facility department? Next week, uh, we will release a podcast, What's the Why? We will look at healthcare, uh, healthcare education and the, the need for a degree. I speak to Jim Smith. Jim is a uh, director up in Springfield, Vermont, had a really good conversation. Jim is an interesting gentleman. Um, so I hope you'll tune into that off of our high reliability page. And then on the 23rd, the fourth and final installment, We'll just do a live Q&A on Zoom, which you can sign up for, and, and that link has been set out. So just making sense of the healthcare facilities market. So what are we going to do today? Well, we're going to look at Lincoln's education, and then, you know, we really need to look at the market of today 
And so we'll look at the market of 2022. We'll look at some of the drivers related to why do you need a degree and why is it important? And then we'll circle back to Lincoln in section five, and then we'll try to pull it all together. So what does it mean? So we look a little bit at Lincoln, we look a little bit at the market, we look at Lincoln in the market, and then we pull it together to what does it all mean? Now, I would also say, of course, you know, Abe Lincoln in his time, um, though they did have hospitals, they had field hospitals in the Civil War, obviously, and they did have hospitals. You have to suspend logic a little bit. Lincoln was not going for healthcare facilities management roles, but he was going for some pretty high roles, and he was going for some pretty high roles without an education. And so I think that's the important thing to consider. So let's look at Lincoln's resume. Now, as I said, you can find the full resume um, on our website. I'm only going to look at the education portion of it for this, um, for this presentation. His full resume, though, is under a blog post titled Lincoln's Resume. What can we learn? So this is his front page, Abraham Lincoln. Who are you? Where do you live? I enjoyed, uh, I'm a little nerdy in that regard, but it was fun to be able to write the title block, Abraham Lincoln, 1600 Pennsylvania Ave. Then we start with the professional profile. If you haven't gone to one of our resume classes, I would suggest that you do. I like them. I think uh, we always start with a professional profile. You see that here with Lincoln, but what we're gonna do is switch over to his education. We will not review his full resume in this session. And right up at the very top, most of you probably know, Lincoln did not have an education. In fact, uh, in his own words, he had less than a year, he said nine months of education in the entirety of his life. He was a lawyer. He was self-educated as a lawyer. He obtained his law, his law license through his own efforts. And so on Lincoln's resume, he has his education section. And then if you're in a healthcare facilities management today, fast forward to 2022, you likely have an education section, a certification section. Lincoln has a presentation section. He didn't have certifications back at the time. And you see a number of, uh, you know, a number of historical and well thought of presentations that Lincoln had. Uh, Lincoln is renowned as the best writing president of our time. His use of words was skillful, um, you know, through the second inaugural address, the Gettysburg Address, the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, Lincoln, despite his lack of education, has a way with words that probably nobody educated or not of today would have. So right from the very start, if Abe Lincoln is applying for a healthcare facilities management role in 2022, if you just go to the education section, he is not qualified to run a healthcare facilities department. Experience without a degree need not apply. Now I will tell you from my perspective, I think that is wrong. I do not think that a degree is needed to run a department. We'll get into some of the reasons of that. Now there are some, uh, some circumstances where a degree probably is needed. If you're in an academic medical center, well, that's the way it goes. You probably need your degree. If you're at a large two million square foot facility, you probably need a degree. Um, at the vice president level, I can see where you would need a degree. So, but we're concentrating on a manager level, on a director level, not at a VP level, not at a say 5 million square foot, but even in those, I think we need to be flexible. I think flexibility is the key word for today. So my position is, uh, I do not think the degree should be mandated. I know many people do believe that. I know many people disagree. I will tell you my reasons for believing what I believe. Um, but again, it will be within the framework of Lincoln. And I will tell you, I know not everybody's Abraham Lincoln. 
But one of the things about Lincoln, and we cover it a little bit further in the resume, Abraham Lincoln does not become the historical Lincoln until he's assassinated in 1865. Prior to his assassination, you know, Lincoln was a man like any other man. He was elevated upon his assassination. So we're looking at Lincoln prior to the assassination where, you know, he sends a resume and you say, okay, he's the president, but he's not yet that historical figure that he has now become, a mythic figure that he has now become. Um, you know, I think as we look at what makes a good candidate, Lincoln's common sense, Lincoln's fortitude, Lincoln's resiliency, all of those things that Lincoln had, they're not learned in college. You can have that without a degree. He came from an illiterate family by any measure. If Abraham Lincoln is applying for a job in 1865, not going to hire him. In fact, you know, before he was elected president in 1860, he was a he was a buffoon. He was an illiterate. He was a hayseed. But we lived in a conflicted country in 1860, and there are circumstances where Lincoln did win the presidency. But even before that, all of those terms of this guy's not qualified. This guy's not an elite. This guy doesn't have a degree. This guy's not as smart as us. All of those things were said about Abraham Lincoln. And what did he become? He became greatest president that we had with common sense and fortitude, with attributes that were inherent in him, not learned in a college. They said, you know, mom was illiterate, stepmom was illiterate, dad was illiterate, nobody cared about education, but he did. And he was self-taught and he was self-read and he did it on his own and he acquired it really through the field. So that's a little bit about Lincoln, but we're going to say he's not qualified to run a facilities department because we do know that there are healthcare jobs where a degree is required. And if you don't have that degree, they're not going to look at you. Now, that's not all hospitals, um, but it's, you know, it's somewhat concerning to me that many hospitals are going that route. And they're going that route in light of what's going on in the market today. Now, we know... Um, the challenges of, of finding employees. They're out there and they're only going to increase. Um, but what have we seen in the market? And, I, and I'll, I'll deal with that in a little bit, but relative to our recruiting, you know, I have seen 10 years of hospital experience. Folks have that, but they don't have the degree. They're not going to be considered. Um, people who've been in the directorial, not going to consider you. The one to me that is somewhat a head scratcher is you can be a business owner. You could have owned a trades shop. You could have owned an HVAC shop, an electrical shop. You didn't go to college, but you came out because maybe you had a family business and you got into the family business and you got certified and you got, you know, you worked in the union or an electrical shop and then you ran your own business and you did all that, which means customer service, communication, knowing the trade. And even people who are former business owners are sometimes disqualified. And you know, we occasionally, or not occasionally, we push back against that. But you know, I just provide in our role as a consultant, we talk to our client and say, hey, this is why you should consider this, pe this person. But sometimes it's just not enough. So you know, we talk in our podcast on the 16th, Jim Smith. Uh, Jim was a military gentleman, worked in the nuclear program, and he gives the story much better than I can. But even former military people with that leadership experience, and they are disqualified. So, you know, the market can be very uh, unforgiving, and it can be unforgiving in a time where people are needed. Now, there are uh, programs where, and I know Vermont is one of those states because I was talking to Jim, and as I said, Jim is in Vermont, where 
you can take your experience and they can translate that to credits for you. So there are formal programs which do that. Um, but not every organization will accept that experience translating to credits either. So it's not, you know, there's not a one size approach, but we're sounding the alarm because the need for the degree is casting aside qualified people, healthcare experienced people at a time when that experience is needed more than ever. So let's look a little bit about the employee big picture because you know, I, you can't really divorce any of these things. They're all, you know, they're all interconnected. Um, what's going on out in the market? Well, you know this. You hear about the great resignation all the time. The boomers are retiring, dissatisfaction with employers. People are looking for work-life balance. I've joked about that before. You know, we were working with a client, and this was probably six years ago, and he said to me, um, and he was interviewing candidates, and he said to me, Pete, is this work-life balance a real thing? And you know, if you're hiring people, you know, that was about six years ago now, that work-life balance is only becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, you know, from the employee big picture, all of these challenges are going on in the market now. Um, and it's a numbers problem, right? You just look at some of these statistics. I, I hate to read the slides because you can read them just as easily as I can. But if you look at the bottom three there, you know, fewer, few industries were harder hit than healthcare with people leaving. An estimated 20% of the workforce, including 30% of nurses have left. This year, nearly 1.7 million people have quit their healthcare jobs, almost equivalent to 3%. 1,000 healthcare professionals, 28% quit their job because of burnout. And I'll tell you, this is what we're hearing. So, you know, the, the anecdotal stories that we hear from people working in the market, this all rings true to what we are hearing. These statistics, by the way, were from the U.S. Department of Labor's Bureau of Labor Statistics, the Openings and Labor Turnover Survey. They call it JOLTS. So these numbers are, or these statistics are from the Department of Labor. So there's a you know, there's a credibility there. The, the great resignation, we hear it every year. 4.53 million workers quit their jobs in March, 2022. Previous high was 4.5 million. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I mean, if you're in human resources or if you're looking to hire, you know this because you're experiencing this. <laughs> so it's, it's real. So it's a numbers problem and it's not going to improve. You know, again, this is what we hear from our folks um, I get emails and, you know, I sometimes think I don't over dramatize these things, but I try to remember in my mind to compare it to the past, but I will get emails somewhat regularly now from people in our network who are telling me I'm retiring at the end of the year. What do you know about interim? What are some of my career options? I mean, this is going on. 44% of employees are job seekers. That's amazing. And the other thing we hear quite a bit, and it's not part of this Abe Lincoln employment series, but the duration of time whereby employees stay with their employer, that is crashing as well. Um, it's just a much more mobile society and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really benefit any of us, uh, but that's the reality of where we are. So the conscientious, um, decision to not hire people with degrees, but who have 
hospital experience, it doesn't fit the market reality. Now that decision, I would still disagree with it if we had a full employee market and you could fill every position, I would still disagree with it because at, at the root of it, I think, it's, I think it's wrong for healthcare facilities management. But this decision in light of the market is, it doesn't make sense to me. I think back to, you know, um, if you listen to the High Reliability podcast or if you've seen anything before, you know that you, know, you talk about history the series Band of Brothers, I record this on the day after D-Day. So this is June 7th that we're recording this. Um, so D-Day, the anniversary celebrated on June 6, 1945, 44, excuse me. But in Band of Brothers, uh, the Stephen Ambrose book and the miniseries, episode seven, um, Breaking Point, it's, uh, it's the day, um, it's after the Siege of Bastogne, Easy Company gets finally pulled off the line. At the end of episode seven, they're sitting in a church, and this is historical, this did occur. And this is, they are sitting in the, in, in the church, but in the series, uh, Lipton is there, and the church is full of Easy Company men, all the men who went in prior to the Siege of Bastogne. And throughout, as Lipton's looking around, all these faces start disappearing. They start to disappear. And unfortunately, those were all the people who were killed in that battle. And so they're removed. And so you go from a full church to a half church. And that, that's, you know, I, I know it's not as dramatic, but that's the visual that whenever I get one of these, Pete, retiring end of the year, what do you know about interim? That's always the visual I go to. It's the way my brain is wired, I guess. I go to episode seven and all of those people who were sitting in that church at the beginning who are now gone, that's what we're experiencing. These people are leaving and they're not coming back. So the numbers problem is not improving. I like this slide. Uh, I got this and I wish I tried to find it. I, I saw this on LinkedIn. Somebody I follow posted this. So if you're watching this and you posted it, uh, let me know, I would love to uh, give credit for it. But we hear this all the time, right? And, and I really feel that it's mixed messages. You know, we tell kids coming out of kids, young adults, whatever they happen to be, don't feel like you have to go to school, especially if colleges are 80,000, 60,000, 40, whatever they happen to be. Don't feel like you have to go to college. You don't have to. Go to the trades. We need trades people. We need, you know, follow your dreams. So they do that. Right. But yet I feel and you may disagree with me that you know, we tell them this coming out of college. And then what we don't tell them is and maybe 15 years down the road, if you want to be in a management position, well, you got to go back to college to get it because we're going to hold that against you. It doesn't matter that maybe in 15 years you have three kids, four kids, two kids. Maybe you're married. Maybe you don't have time to go to school. So I really think that, you know, we need to stop with the mixed messages. And again, I'm talking about healthcare facilities. There are some fields where you definitely need the degree. So there are so many paths into healthcare facilities management leadership roles. Which is the best path? Well, the best path is probably the one you get on at some point. Maybe you're 18, maybe you're 22, 23. It takes longer for some people to mature. But that path that you follow, if you maximize it at every point, and you take in what you can take in and you grow your soft skills and your technical skills as you go along. Well, the path into management may be through the trades and to shut that off, I think is wrong. And so here you know, it is, as, as when I saw this slide, that was the first thing that popped into my head, you know, tell them to go into the trades, but make sure you also tell them, you know what, in 15 years, if you want to be a manager, 
I don't know that we're going to look at you because you don't have your college degree. You may have worked in a hospital for 15 years. You may have worked on boilers. You may have risen to a supervisor. You may have gotten your certifications. You may be part of the union, um, but you don't have a degree. So I really like that slide and thank whoever put that on LinkedIn. So what is the why? I always like to ask why. Why is there a college degree uh, required? And you do hear a number of things, not all in... You know, not all of these reasons <clears throat> apply to everyone, um, but these are all things that we've heard. I always go to the second bullet here. Um, that's the interesting one to me. Like when you're sitting at that table, if you don't have a degree, then your colleagues aren't going to respect you. That's an interesting, I, I can't relate to that, I guess. <laughs> and I, I'm sure it happens, right? I'm sure it happens that, oh, he doesn't have a college degree or she doesn't have a college degree. Um, your thought less of. I put it there because I hear that. And we know in healthcare facilities management at two o'clock in the morning, when there's an emergency, when there's a boiler goes down or you got a fire or whatever it happens to be, the degree doesn't really matter. You get your respect of the colleagues at two o'clock in the morning, not sitting around the table discussing. And I don't even know if I'd want to work for an organization that thinks less of me. The other one to to, to, to point to is the because. I know this happens a lot. Um, you know, when I was working in healthcare, um, you know, a lot of the construction projects, you'd get uh, plans that were passed along. You'd get uh, schematic design, uh, CD, whatever it happened to be. But with the advent of copy and paste, you'd get electrical, uh, electrical plans where you would see that a component of a past job was copied into your job. And you'd think, that, that doesn't work here. Why is that there? And the architect might say, oh, you know what? That shouldn't be there. We just copied it from a former uh, project and it was in here. We'll get rid of it for you. That's kind of the because. I see that on job descriptions where organizations, they don't always look at the job description, the changing job description, because they do change over time. Sometimes it's just a remnant of a passed down job description. That education stays in there. So what is the why? We see a number of different things. We hear a number of different things. These are some of the ones, you know, the hospital mandate, all director level roles require a degree. Why? Why does it require a degree? We can't look at every single competency the same. We have to have some flexibility. You know, at the end of the day, whoops, there we go. Um, we know that there are so many different ways to learn and colleges don't corner the market on that knowledge, not in healthcare facilities management. <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, those real world practical experiences that you get from owning a business, that you get from the military, that you get from working in the trades, they're more, more applicable in healthcare facilities management. If you have the soft skill component in this presentation, you know, we know in healthcare facilities management, there's a technical component to it and there's a soft skill or a communication, a leadership component to it. You do need to have both of them. I'm not saying you don't, you do. What I'm saying is that the soft skill component, and we saw that on the slide prior relative to communication and the emotional intelligence, soft skill is not, you know, the domain of a college student or of, of a college degree. You know, this is the world of the acronym and, and knowledge can be gained out in the field and knowledge is never ending in this role. You know that, we know that. So you know, in 2022, when knowledge is available from more places than ever before, not just college. It just doesn't seem like it is a, it is a, 
well thought out requirement when you can't find people. And you can get that experience in other locations. We know that really in healthcare facilities management, you know, it's a problem solving role, right? It's a problem solver need. I, I pulled this quote, you know, as I was doing some, some research, um, just kind of looking through and, and getting statistics. I found this <clears throat> first quote, it was from um, American Public Radio. It's the first bullet. People can learn in people can learn in colleges how to interact with other educated people. People who go to college, especially elite colleges, tend to come out with a certain amount of polish and understanding about how the world works. This kind of knowledge is valuable in the workplace and in life. Now, I, I'm not going to argue with that, but I think that sometimes that is the that is what folks without the degree are up against. That sense of elitism. I'm just going to say it. Um, and again, I keep, this is not, you know, this is not an anti-college stance. I went to college, you know, um, so, and I loved my college experience and I wouldn't change that for anything, but it's an anti-degree inflation and facility stance, that third bullet there. I just don't think it's needed. And I'm sorry if I keep repeating it with the market as it is today. I just believe it's short-sighted because your facility director, you know, they need to be out front. And they need to be challenging. And, you know, I know in our role, I have heard of organizations that have hired folks with the degree, but they don't have healthcare management. And take it just from a joint commission perspective, how scary that can be, especially with what we've been through in COVID. So, um, and I thought the Pew Research stat there, only 16% of American college graduates believe their education prepared them for a well-paying job. So this role is really about problem solving. Lincoln was certainly not elite, right? We talked about that a little bit earlier in 1860. Elite, this guy, you know, they called him a baboon. They called him a gorilla They from the backwoods. He couldn't speak. They didn't like his twang. They didn't like the way he presented himself. So, you know, again, this guy, the ultimate problem solver, wouldn't have been the ultimate problem solver. I mentioned this book before, uh, Mission, Jimmy Stewart and the fight for Europe. Uh, and I just wanted to read something really quickly because I think that in today's world, um, not just related to kind of healthcare facilities management and you know finding people, we need to have a level of, we need to have common sense. And you know, I, Jimmy Stewart to me, um, as I said once before, we, my family every Christmas Eve will pop on, it's a wonderful life right after the, right after the frenzy of the morning dies down and right before we go to, to mass on Christmas Eve will pop in It's a Wonderful Life. And so I was reading this book earlier this year and I just wanted to, to bring it out. So if you didn't know, uh, Jimmy Stewart became a captain of the 703rd Squadron of the 455th, 445th bomb, bomb Group. He was over in Europe. So in two and a half years, he left his acting career. So he was an established actor um, and, he let, and he wanted to join the military at World War II. So in two and a half years, he rose from a private to a captain and he became a leader. And so one of uh, the pilots in his squadron was a Southern gentleman. And this Lieutenant Smith Stewart learned that the Lieutenant took on an unorthodox approach with the nine men in his flight crew. All of them commissioned officers and enlisted men met secretly once a week to fraternize. Rank was not considered, and first names were the order of the evening. We could agree, disagree, offer suggestions without any worry while we ate and had drinks together. 
such action was against regulation. The book goes on to say, Jim was all about regulations, Jim, Jimmy Stewart, and he would never be one to advocate cutting corners or skirting rules. Whatever the regulations were, that is what Jimmy Stewart would do. He went by the book. It can't be stressed enough. He went by the book. Stewart also learned that another pilot was doing the same thing, informality with his crew. There was no saluting. They weren't called sir. When they went out on those times, the informality reigned. So right out of the gate, Jim Stewart had to determine what to do about both parties. Should he speak with them and remind them of regulations or should he let it go? To Jim, teamwork and knowing how everyone thought in a crisis meant survival, which trumped even the officer's manual. He decided he would never advocate informality among his crew, but neither did he take action to stop it. Jim realized that regulations and common sense had to go hand in hand when leading men who were putting their lives on the line every day in service to their country. And I, you know, as I was reading that, what I love the common sense component of it, leaders, no matter who we are, organizations, we need to use common sense. What is the common sense approach now? Now we're not fighting a war, but you are fighting an employee availability war. So what's the common sense approach? You can answer that for yourself. You know what my position will be. So obviously a key is to retain the employees that you have, if you can keep them. <laughs> um, and as we saw from those statistics with 44% of people consider themselves to be job seekers. I think the, the final bullet there, obviously there's an organizational burden because you write the paycheck, you have the managers, you control the environment, you control the culture, but most definitely, and I've heard this from so many people and I've heard it from people who are outside of healthcare facilities management, you know, employees have changed. Expect what once were expectations, in some cases, they now consider to be entitlements. So that's a challenge, right? So we put the burden on the organization to keep the employees, but then the, the employees also have to be realistic. So retaining the employees you have, it's easy to say, you know, communication, opportunity, all of these things. And we have other classes that delve into these areas, but the reality is employees have changed and expectations have become entitlements. So it's, it's not an easy time, you know, post COVID we've, uh, you know, the playing field really has changed. Um, this, um, um, this field has changed on all of us kind of almost underfoot. And the simple fact of the matter is, you know, back in January of 2020, late 2019, 2018, we all knew, Ashley would tell you, and you knew it, people were going to retire. Uh, most management and healthcare facilities management, the majority is baby boomers. So they were already planning on walking away. They may have stayed for the two years because they wanted to finish the job. It was important. They didn't want to step away, but now two years later, they're leaving. So this is not uh, an unexpected development, but the pipeline is not necessarily filling in. And in healthcare facilities management, you know, where you do need that work-life balance, where people want the work-life balance, but I was talking to a director and I've said this before, he's like, I'm all for work-life balance, but you also work at a hospital and we're open 365 days a year. <laughs> I try to give it, but there's sometimes when you can. And then remote work opportunities too. So, you know, if you take what's going on 
in the market outside of healthcare facilities management between remote work and the work-life balance, sometimes in healthcare facilities, you can't always offer that, you know, the remote work opportunity. Well, you work in a building. Now there are some VP levels where I'm seeing a little more of the remote work, but for the management director where visibility and hands-on is key, you don't always have them. So, you know, burnout's occurring, um, inflation, you know, you're dealing with that and 4% of people would leave for 41% of people would leave for a 5% increase. So there's many challenges today that have not been there before. So the playing field is most definitely change, but let's get back to Lincoln. So the reason I put those factors in there is just to get a sense of the market and where we are and what we're dealing with from an availability and from an opportunity we know it's a challenging time, but I feel more comfortable back in the 1860s or the 1800s for purposes of this. But as Lincoln said, I mean, these were Lincoln's words. He came to his education by littles, did not amount to more than a year, completely defective. Um, you know, reportedly, he only read one history book as a kid. James McPherson, who, if you are a Civil War enthusiast, you will know the name written many books on Lincoln, written many books on the war. And he says that the only historical book that Lincoln read as a youth was Parson Weems' biography of George Washington. That was it. I've never read it. But at 23, Lincoln began to read the Blackstone commentaries on the laws of England. And the more he read, the more intensely he became interested in the law. And again, Let's say that at 23 years, we do have people who go into the trades. Maybe they don't know what they want to do coming out. Maybe they're a little unfocused. Who wasn't? But they become more interested in the trades. Now, in Lincoln's, uh, in Lincoln's um, situation, he just read, 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 passed the law exam, did it all on his own. Uh, but we see similarly, it can happen in the trades where you don't expect it, but you, you become engrossed. Aren't we always looking for passion in our employees? Aren't we looking for employees who will, who will grow and continue to learn and mentor others? I go back to that is not the sole dominion of a college degree. There are people who have those skills, who can do it, and who have exhibited they can do it with and without degrees. But Lincoln, about a degree, a shop owner, a lawyer, a president, all without a formal education. Now, Lincoln and the Angry Letter. So we're getting a little bit away from the, uh, I was going to say away from the resume. We're getting away from education for a second. And I just wanted to, to talk about Lincoln and the Angry Letters, the hot letters as well. Doris Kearns Goodwin coined it the hot letters. But one of Lincoln's um, management principles or practices was he would write letters. If he was angered, um, he would write a letter, get the emotion out, spill it out on paper, and he would sit on it. And he would sit on it for 24 hours and he would reassess how he feel, how he felt when he died. They found letters never sent. So he would sign the letter, never sent probably the most famous one after the battle of Gettysburg in 1863. Um, it ends with a union victory on, on July 3rd, George Meade, the union general at the time, um, did not pursue the Confederates back down South. Um, and Lincoln was angered by that wrote a letter, but he never sent it. And, you know, if you think about it, um, again, not a history class, but what Meade was able to do, taking over, imagine taking over a hospital right before their joint commission survey, and they're not prepared. Ostensibly, that's kind of what Meade did. He was elevated to command of the Union Army in late June of 1863. 
The Confederates were flooding to the north into Pennsylvania. People are worried. Where are they going to go? Lincoln elevates Meade to the commander. And so Meade jumps right into the Battle of Gettysburg and ends up doing really a good job. They end up winning and holding off the Confederates. But Lincoln wanted a pursuit after it. And Meade just didn't feel like the troops could do that and pursue them actively back down. So I think that, you know, we talk about Lincoln and the angry letters aren't today in this day and age where instantaneous communication between Twitter, texting, you know, I'm sure you're using texting in your departments to talk to employees, right? But Twitter, texting, social media, there is no, or I shouldn't say there is no, people don't always exercise what Lincoln exercised. And I think that's a great management principle too. You know, just sit on that for 24 hours. I've tried to do that. I try to do that with pretty much every part of my life, whether it's relationships with kids or my wife or whatever it happens to be, we could all benefit from that kind of take a step back, have that emotional release, and then think about it for 24 hours. You know, do we really want to send that? So, and again, right, I'm going to reinforce it. You don't always learn that in college, that you either have that innately or you don't. So uh, I mentioned this a bit earlier, as I said, in 1865, he's not the Lincoln of today. When, When Lincoln dies, Edwin Stanton Secretary of War famously says now he belongs to the ages, but that only happened after his death. He was looked down upon. He was not the elite. He was not the educated. He should never have been the president in 1860. As Lincoln sat around the table, and I always think back to, um, I always think back to, and it's why I highlighted, you know, people who say when you're sitting around that table with your colleagues, if you don't have that degree, they're going to look down upon you. Lincoln's cabinet pretty much all of them at one time or another thought that they should be the president, not him, especially when he was just newly elected and they all came together in that cabinet. Again, the Doris Kearns team of rivals book documents it well, but you can get that in many different places too. So, you know, Lincoln pretty much led a conference table where everybody at it thought they were smarter than him or should have his role. And he manipulated and managed each of them. His passion, his commitment, those soft skills that Lincoln had, the emotional intelligence, the angry letters or emotional intelligence, these are things we're looking for today in healthcare facility directors, right? We're looking for emotional intelligence, communication, demeanor, drive, passion. That's what the man had. And that's why he was successful. And that was not learned in college. So it's easy, we think, historically, and it's why I I enjoy learning about history is because we have a sense of today, but we don't have a sense of then. And you can only understand if you get that sense of then. And so he was not the mythical figure. Like, you know, you probably say, okay, here's Abraham Lincoln's resume. Of course, I'm going to hire him. But in 1862 and 1858 and 1856, you may not have, but he still had these attributes that made him successful. Some of the people who apply to your positions who don't have the degree, but have worked in healthcare facilities have these attributes. Resumes are a piece of paper. People are what you're hiring, not a resume. And that's, again, people with education, people without education have these skills. Each each of these situations is unique. What I'm arguing against is the blanket proclamation that if you don't have the degree, we can't hire you. You know, who we want our managers to stand by and support employees. You know, Lincoln went through uh, general after general after general, especially in the early stages, even after Meade, he got rid of Meade and then he elevated Grant. And he elevated Grant, but he stood by Grant 
When people wanted him gone, he's an alcoholic, he's a butcher, he's a killer. Grant stood by him. I mean, Lincoln stood by Grant. So these are all attributes we should be looking for as well. And if we have somebody who has 20 years of healthcare experience at a director level, we can find out if he has those attributes or she has those attributes. So what does it all mean? Well, I don't want to read this through you know, to you. You can see it, but not every candidate is Lincoln. I know that. But if experienced candidates meet the criteria, they should be considered. The other thing too, and I mentioned this before, healthcare facilities management, it's not a clinical discipline. It's not finance. It's not accounting. You know, those fields, I would say you probably need that background. I wasn't a finance major. I wasn't an accounting major. I wasn't a clinical major. Um, but yeah, I, I could see it. But there are so many fat paths into healthcare facilities management that don't begin with colleges. And we have certification opportunities and we have soft skill opportunities. If you believe that the degree is required, okay. But can't you also believe that there are ways to augment that education if the person has the, the building blocks that you need to be successful? Again, that resume is a piece of paper. Everybody out there has a story to tell that's theirs. And the perception is not always reality. As we see with Lincoln, this hayseed, this country bumpkin from the backwoods became one of the greatest presidents of all time, even though the people who even worked for him thought they were smarter than him. He manipulated them. He managed them. He made it through a crisis. We look for problem solvers in healthcare facilities management. That's what you need, a problem solver. Who's a better problem solver than Lincoln, the man without the education? So that is our segment. You know, I hope this was informative. I hope some minds were changed. And if you disagree, I'd love to hear that too. Um, we've done a couple of podcasts where we go back and forth on the education. And, and, you know, people who disagree, I would love to hear it. I think it's a valuable conversation worth having, especially in light of what we are dealing with in an employee market. I would say up next in our series is What's the Why? A Healthcare Education Podcast. We'll release that on June 16th on Apple, Google, Spotify. I never thought, you know, we started to do the Higher Reliability Podcast two years ago when COVID hit. It's, it's weird for me to say that because I never really thought we would do a podcast or talk about podcasts. But anyways, it's, I always just kind of kick myself when I say that. But you can find Jim Smith, the podcast on the 16th. We will release it. In the meantime, I thank you. If you want to reach out to me, please feel free. My email address is here at the bottom. Uh, the June 23rd class will be the open form. You can sign up for that on Zoom. I thank you for taking the time uh, to watch this. And please feel free to reach out. Peter Martin, president of Gosler Martin Associates. Abe Lincoln wouldn't be hired in healthcare facilities management because he doesn't have the degree, but he probably should have been. Thank you and have a great day.